straight out of Scotland, this is the Reluctant Theologian Podcast. I am your host, Dr. R.T. Mullins from the University of St. Andrews. Today's episode is a science episode. Oh, I love science. This is the second part of a two-episode special on cloning. In the first episode, you heard a conversation between myself and David Barris from the University of Edinburgh. In that episode, we discussed how cloning is done. In today's episode, we discuss some of the benefits and the downsides of cloning. I also asked David some philosophical questions about cloning and personal identity. This episode also has the ever-popular popcorn round. If you have questions that you would like to hear on the show, send me a message at rtmullins.com. So ready or not, here's David Barris talking about cloning. Enjoy. Because, you know, we became biologists not because we want to do horrible things to, right. to animals. It's because we actually like interacting with animals yeah. and, and looking after them. So, yes, it was. So, okay. So, you got a really low, low success rate here, plus some emotional turmoil attached yeah. to it. Uh, so, that raises a, a, a different question, actually, at this point. So, why exactly would a scientist want to, to clone mm. anything? I mean, I mean, it's really cool to clone things, of course, but I'm assuming you've got more motivation than just it's really cool. Like, what, like, what are you hoping to get out of it? So continuing the the Dolly strain, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to leave that and start okay. off with. Uh, I'll come back to it. Start off with something where you do want to do cloning, and it does have commercial value. Okay. So, for example, plants. It's actually very easy to to clone plants. Mm. So you you can take a, every time you take a clotting cutting from a, a rose bush or a or a willow tree or something like that, you're making a clone in the strict sense of making a copy, an identical... Okay, so this is something I could do then, at least. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The difference comes from what we're talking about in that it is not genetically modified. Right. Okay, so the distinction you made earlier between, like, this wide sense of cloning and the more, like, strict, like, we're genetically modifying something and then making a copy. Yeah. Okay. So with the willow tree case, I'm just... I'm just cutting something off, putting it in the ground. Right. I made a copy. Yep. But that's not genetically modifying anything. That's, that's not genetically modified. But the general principle of being able to make clones in plants is is is, is like really it. easy to do. Okay. So you can quite easily genetic. Well, it's actually quite difficult to genetically modify plants. Uh, they're resistant. But there are plenty of techniques now that make it, it pretty reliable. So having genetically modified, say, your, your bit of, of leaf, mm-hmm. you can then put it in some rooting compost. Uh, powder and then plant it and it will make a genetically modified maize plant for example okay uh, and this is what Monsanto did when they made the, the roundup ready so it, it's resistant to a herbicide so you can spray your field with with roundup um, and all of the non-genetically modified plants will die and your genetically modified plant will will carry on growing free of the competition of the of the, the, the weeds. Okay, so I want to make sure I'm following this because so, I'm from Indiana and so we yeah. we grow lots of corn uh, in Indiana. And so what you're saying is like one of the benefits, I guess, of being able to clone is I can make lots of corn with the right sort of genetics I want. So it can be resistant to pesticide, it can be resistant to weeds and all these sort of stuff. So I'm going to yep. get a good crop. Like uh, like the odds of getting a good crop are really high. You, um, it's Yeah, it's actually more complicated with this. And this gets mm. into the whole GMO sure. good or bad debate. And we don't have to do that. Um, here, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly from a European point of view, right? mm-hmm. we, we don't really 
do this. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is an argument for it. Probably the Roundup Ready is probably on the lower, weaker end of, of the okay. argument um, because you're still spraying an awful lot of herbicide and it's still a very nasty toxic chemical, oh, okay. all sorts of things. But for example, you can make rice that will produce more vitamin C mm. in its, in its um, grain, mm-hmm. which potentially has got quite strong benefits for, for poorer farmers in in Southeast Asia and things like that, where there, they don't have the variety of food. So that is one potentially beneficial use of, of genetically modifying. Okay, so one possible motivation then for wanting to clone uh, things is that I could get lots of plants, lots of food, and, and yeah. even create them where they have more nutritious value yeah. uh, in certain areas where they don't have a lot of food diversity. Okay, so yeah. that seems like a good benefit. Are there any other benefits? Drought resistance, disease resistance, things like that mm. for plants. When we go into animals, the case is less clear-cut. Mm. So one place where it is of clear benefit is that you can make an animal model. You can genetically modify a mouse so that it has a mutant gene that causes diseases in, in human beings. And then that is a mouse model. And if you develop a treatment for the mouse model, then you've got something that can be maybe applied to, to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and improve the quality of life, improve how they live, uh, the length of time they live. So yes, that potentially has benefits. Uh, right. Again, these things might not work out in practice. Sure. But there are, there are actually useful things coming out of, of mouse models of, of human disease. So I can create a mouse that has Down syndrome. I can create a mouse that has Alzheimer's. I can create it with lots of different things. Yeah. And then I can do some tests on it to see how I can improve the life yeah. of, of, of humans with these with these sorts of things. Yeah. At least that's, exactly. that's the hope. And so that's, okay, so I've, so I've got some food benefits. I've got some disease disorders benefits. It seems like, okay, I can see why you might think there's a lot of benefits here to cloning, why you'd want to invest a lot of time and energy into this. Yeah. Are there any downsides to, to cloning? The big downside to cloning is, one, the awful lot of expense required to make an animal clone. You might be far better mm. doing something else instead. Okay. Um, that has immediate results uh, to quality of life of the animals and, mm-hmm. and the humans. So, so and when you're talking like the cost here, you're not talking about just financial cost. You're talking about the physical, the health, uh, emotional uh, cost to everyone involved with the cloning. Yes. And you can do an awful lot with, with normal breeding. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have a look at dogs walking down the street. You'll find anything from chihuahuas to, to Great Danes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's normal human breeding's looking for the traits you want and you can do right. an awful lot with that you don't have to to genetically modify an animal specifically to do things like that if you want to introduce something else that isn't naturally part of an animal's physiology then you'd have to do genetically modifying uh, but there are often many ways around that so for example some people are lactose intolerant you could genetically modify a cow so it doesn't produce lactose in its milk hmm. but on the other hand you can get plenty of lactose-free milk even without it. Okay. So genetically modifying a, a cow is not the answer in this case. Okay, because I've got some friends who are lactose intolerant, and I mean, you know, I, I'm going to happily eat ice cream in front of them because it's delicious, and yeah. I'm going to happily eat pizza in front of them because it's delicious. And I feel kind of bad, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I might be able to engage in some cloning in order to get some milk that would help them out, but you're saying there's easier ways to create these lactose-free yes. milks. There probably will be something in the future that somebody will say, actually, the only way we can do this is is to genetically modify mm. um, the creature. But there isn't something that is so pressing that it has 
everybody said, yes, okay, this is the only way. You must do this. Um, that hasn't arisen yet. Okay. There are other situations where cloning has happened. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there was a case where there was a bull who produced particularly fine, lean meat in its offspring. Mm. Uh, so that cow was cloned, but at, at vast expense. Okay. Um, and it, it makes you think, well, you could have just spread it with another lean producing cow. Right. Okay. And you'd have, you, you just breed in a whole line of, of, of particularly lean meat without doing anything. Without doing any of this. Because I, mean, I like a really good steak, but yeah, this seems like the, the cost of that would just be like astronomical yeah. compared to if you just bread it, you know, you'd. You'd, yeah, you'd still get the good steak, but uh, it has been done. Okay, it's been done, and also people have cloned their cats as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, being a cat person, that's great. But I, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to clone cat. You know, it, it's I, I want something that is its own person, and if it's different from the cat I had before, then that's great too. So in terms of, I guess, in the downside of cloning, like this is just like, yeah. these are, it's just not cost effective, I guess, at the moment. But are there any other downsides? Yes, yes. There's, there's the far more long-term effect. I'm actually going to illustrate this with the, the recent controversy that has um, erupted. Oh, in China. Uh, in China. Right. Um, what was his name? It was Hei. He, uh, Hei uh, Jenku, I think is his name. Uh, yes. Something like that. And so he, so he was in China, and he was, uh, he convinced a bunch of people who had HIV, yeah. right? Uh, and so, and so he was like, and they're all pregnant. Uh, and so he was like, uh, I'm gonna, so help me out here. I'm trying to remember the rest of the story now. They were, they were wanting to become pregnant. They're wanting to become pregnant. Yeah. So a bunch of couples who have HIV, yeah, and they want to become pregnant. So what is, yeah. what does he claim he can do? Okay, so what he has done, he has uh, gone through actually many of the processes in, in making Dolly the sheep. So he has mm. given the, the lady, in this case, uh, a set of hormones who produces more eggs. Mm-hmm. And he has taken sperm from the father. And if you just put these together, they will, they will quite happily fuse and, and start to make fertilized eggs. So this can all be done in, in a dish. And you get a little ball of cells. And the initial stages, you can take out a few of these cells, and you can genetically modify them. Mm. So in this case, he used a technique called CRISPR-Cas, which fairly specifically targets uh, a region of DNA and uh, cuts it. And then, I've mentioned this before, there Mm. are repair mechanisms to make sure the DNA is okay. And the repair mechanisms say, okay, there's something wrong here, there's a break in our DNA, Uh, we'll try and fix it. And if you give a bit of DNA that covers this gap, but mm-hmm. has something that's very slightly different at one bit, it will say, ah, yeah, that bit of DNA will do. That looks close enough, and it will put it into the site. So in the CRISPR case, I'm taking out a little bit of DNA and then You're replacing it the DNA with and, something yes. that I want. Yes. Okay. And what he did was to make shorter one of the proteins that exists on the surface of uh, one of the T-cells in the body. And that very, that slightly shorter protein is no longer recognized by the HIV virus, so it will no longer bind to that cell and therefore no longer infect the cell. Oh, okay. Uh, so that person is is immune to HIV. So I want to make sure I'm following. So I've got two parents who both yep. have HIV. Yep. And so this, this Chinese scientist is saying, I can uh, do some gen- genetic modifications, and so then your baby will not have HIV. Yeah. 
Okay, I mean that. I mean that sounds nice, right? Yes, but <laughs> there's, an, there's a big but coming. There's, right? there's, there's a big but. For example, you have uh, two copies of mm-hmm. this of this gene: one from the father, one from the mother. You have to get both copies to confer resistance to HIV. Okay. And in one of the babies produced, that was the case. Okay. But in the other baby, only one copy was replaced. So that that baby is still sensitive to HIV. Oh, okay. So it's only so in so these two kids, only one of them only was successful. Them, yeah. The other one, it's it, it did not. The yeah. experiment did not work. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also, we know as biologists that the, the CRISPR-Cas technique is not a hundred percent reliable. It mm. can do things off target so it will chop up bits of DNA elsewhere which is another mutation which is right at the base of the germline which is a really really bad idea because every single cell in the body will then have that mistake in it oh okay um, so if I so if I screw something up then yeah. every cell is going to have every this cell mistake is going in to it have that. changes to the germline are a, a big no no in, particularly in human fertilization okay for so very very good reason okay so what is this what is it Okay, well, part of it is that where does it lead? Mm. Genetic diversity is is a, a huge benefit to all species. If we look at the cases where there is, is inbreeding, the, the Habsburg emperors of, of Europe are a particular case in, in point. It was mm-hmm. constant cousin marriages. Oh, right, okay, yeah, because they always um, wanted to keep things they, in the family. They, they yeah. wanted purity. Mm-hmm. Uh, genetic purity is, is actually a really bad idea. Okay, because um, it sounds so nice. It's got the word purity in it there. But, uh, yeah. But now no, you're telling it's, me it's not good. Uh, no, it's it's not good. So they were dreadfully in, interbred. So if if the father had a bad copy of the gene and they married the cousin, the chances that they would also have a bad copy of that gene was actually very high, mm. which means that the chances of the offspring having double copies of the really bad gene is also very high. This is why inbreeding is a is a very bad idea. Okay, so if there's some mistakes in my DNA, but I, I mate with somebody who doesn't have these mistakes, then the mistakes might get cancelled out. Yeah. But um, if I try to keep everything in the family, then yeah. the odds of getting those mistakes cancelled out are, are really slim. Uh, I and instead, I'm going to keep... Slim. So I'm going to yeah. actually keep perpetuating more mistakes. Yes. Okay. So this is why you want genetic diversity. This is why you want genetic diversity. If, for example, every member of the human race had this genetically modified that uh, was was introduced into these Chinese babies. Mm-hmm. We would all be resistant to HIV. That sounds good. Which is fine. But it also happens that this mutation also confers reduced uh, resistance to West Nile virus. This sounds less fine. This is less mm. fine. So if we all had this, it's, it's possible that a pandemic of West Nile virus could wipe out the entire human population. Right. Okay. So I've created some babies that won't have uh, HIV, but they are highly susceptible to West Nile. They're, they are more susceptible than than the rest of us. The, the rest of the, the people. Okay, which is, is a bad idea. And so, if and if this caught on in the human population, if if this if this genetic defect caught on the pop- human population, yeah. you had this really widespread, then you could get an epidemic that could wipe everybody out. Yeah. And, okay. Because that's that seems like a huge cost. I mean, that's quite a bad. Yeah, thing. it is. It's yeah. The 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 risk. The cost-benefit analysis is distinctly against. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with it, right? Um, and just bracketing moral issues to the side, like this, just uh, yeah, you know, does I, not seem like I, a good I, idea. No, uh, yeah, that certainly uh, the moral case is is dreadful for it mm-hmm. as well. Um, but from a purely practical point of view, it, it's it's not a good idea. Mm. 
there are potentially situations where this is uh, more allowable. Mm-hmm. For example, there are many mutations that dramatically shorten the life of of people. One of the things I worked on briefly was cystic fibrosis, mm-hmm. which is a, a single a single gene that has gone wrong at a, a single place. At least most of the people with this, and if you could correct that in in these people, then they would have happily. Well, you'd have to do this before they were born. Sure, but you could. They could live normal, happy lives without uh, any of the any of the, the disadvantages mm-hmm. of having cystic fibrosis. So they would kind of have like a longer life, and they wouldn't have all the disadvantages here. Yeah. They they would be normal from that mm-hmm. point of view. Yeah. Okay, and so so okay, so it does seem like then there are cases where we might want to try to advance uh, some fiddling with a, yes. with with the DNA. I I would again, and many biologists would mm-hmm. make the claim that you probably don't want to do this to, for, to the germline mm-hmm. just from the, the sort of moral point of view right. that you're making a permanent change to humanity by, mm-hmm. by removing it and we don't exactly know what the what's what will happen because of that yeah uh, a, a good actually a better case for that is sickle cell anemia okay uh, so sickle cell anemia again is, is just a single mistake in 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 a gene that produces the red molecule in in your blood. Oh, okay, yeah. This, it still does its job mostly, but in certain circumstances, such as if you've exercised hard, if you have a mutation in this gene, it will all of a sudden become, form rigid rod-like structures. Mm, Instead of being a nice sort of squidgy ball that can get into all of the small capillaries. Yeah. Um, And it builds up and and, uh, gets trapped and causes a lot of pain. That does Um, sound very painful. So you could say, okay, we'll just get rid of that mutation. Mm -hmm. But actually that mutation, um, when it exists in both copies of your genes, causes this problem. But if Mm -hmm. it only exists on one of the copies of the gene, it actually makes you more resistant to malaria. Oh, Okay. Um, so again, um, you're tampering. If you do this to the germline, you're tampering with the the long term future of humanity. You're removing the diversity. You're removing the flexibility in the in the gene pool. Yes, you're you're curing a disease, mm-hmm. but you've got to be very carefully consider what might happen in in millennia to come and. The law of unintended consequences will always kick in. Right. So, so, so it seems like there's a really tight causal web here. Uh, so, if I mess mess around with just like one gene, it, it could potentially cause yeah. lots of other things. Yeah. And so, some of these we know what it'll cause and bring about. Others we don't. Yeah. And so, it, so we want to be very cautious when we're when we're doing yes. this sort of stuff. The, the the cautionary principle is is really important. And in the case of cystic fibrosis, you can actually do a bone marrow transplant. Mm. So you can basically treat them as if they have leukemia and, and kill off the stem cells in, in, the, in the bones of the body that make the red blood cells. Oh, wow. And you can transplant in blood cells from somebody else or even correct the mutation in their own cells, mm-hmm. put it back into the long bones, and then it will start producing perfectly normal, healthy red blood cells. Okay, and so we can do that without having to genetically modify fetuses or anything of the sort? Yep. Okay, yeah, so it seems can, safer because we know what those consequences it, will be. Yeah, and it's not affecting the, the long-term population. It's not, it's not entering the gene line. It, it's Right. Okay, so this brings up lots of philosophical questions. Yep. So one of the questions that I work on a lot in my own work is personal identity over time. 
So yeah. one of the questions like philosophers ask is what am I? Like what makes uh-huh. me me? And then also what makes me the same person from one moment to the next? Right. And, and there's lots of interesting implications for, for, the, for some of these different theories of personal identity over time uh, from cloning. So I guess I just want to get your take on just, just two philosophical questions, I guess. Only, only two. Um, only two? So, right, uh, so what, what is a person? And, and then also if I clone myself, who is the real me? Oh, um, so it's just small questions, small questions, okay. right? So yeah, so so what 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 is a person? Start with that. I would say the person is is their memories, is their personality, is the way they behave and react and think and who I they identify themselves mm-hmm. as. Um, and I would say the body changes that, but only in what sort of memories you can actually acquire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, if you can't scale mountains, then you'll never have memories of, of um, scaling mountains. Because you'll never create those because memories. Because you'll never create those memories. So you'll be a different person from somebody who is constantly bound inside a city or, or in a wheelchair. You will end up as a different person because of your body. Mm-hmm. But it's more the effect that has on, on your memories and personality, I would say. Okay, so this is what's called a psychological account of of, uh, of personal identity over time. Okay, uh, and so there's lots. Of, it has a name. <laughs> yeah, it has a name. There's lots of people who like this sort of view. When you're saying like the body has some impact on that, but the main thing, what it, what like I am though, are the memories, my thoughts, my desires, the, like who I think I am, is uh, like these sorts of things. I would say so. Okay, yep. so if I made a clone of myself, then who would be the real me? Well, that, that, it would be you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So if you cloned yourself, mm-hmm. you would have a have a baby. Okay, so um, I would have a baby. It wouldn't... Well, somebody, somebody would have a baby on your behalf. For in sure. Okay. Case. But you, yeah, you would have a baby that mm-hmm. just happened to have very much the same genetic makeup as you. But it would inevitably grow up in, in a very different environment. It wouldn't grow up in 1990s Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore its experiences it would have um, would be very different and therefore you would have a different person. You might find situations where you would react the same as your clone. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the way I would, the way the brain is made is is there's a genetic component to how, how a brain is made up. So you might find situations in which you both act the same way whereas somebody else wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, the same happens to, with identical twins, but nobody says, oh, you're the same person. Right. And so this would transfer over to the case of cloning as well. I, yeah. So I if I have say. two identical twins, I'm like, well, that's got a stream of consciousness. And this other yeah. one has a separate one. Yeah. So if I clone myself, same thing. I have my own consciousness, my own memories, my own uh, beliefs, etc. and so forth. This other this other clone of me will have the same. It'll have their own unique memories, beliefs. Uh, desires and everything yep, absolutely right okay which is why cloning tyrants doesn't work right okay so that assuages one of my like you know early childhood fears was if what if like i said at the time i think it would have we would have been in like the iraq war or something so i was like what if saddam hussein cloned himself so so that wouldn't be a worry no you, okay no i mean saddam hussein would have to take the babies and put them into a certain regime that would mold them like him but um, he could do that with, with any children, though. With any child, So there yes. wouldn't be much benefit in terms of no. cloning. Yeah. So this way, some of my fears about dictators. I have lots of other fears related to dictators, but I guess that helps with that. So, so yeah. thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. 
Alright, so this is the popcorn round, where guests don't know the questions ahead of time. The questions can be silly and the answers more ridiculous. So David, you have to answer these questions as quickly as possible, faster than one can say pop pop. David, are you ready? I am. Okay. Question right. number one. What is your favorite travel destination? Uh, Dubrovnik was a lovely place. Mm. Um, I really liked Dubrovnik. I like old, interesting cities. So what was uh, what was so great about this place? Oh, it was well. It, it's on the coast, uh, so you've got the blue Adriatic Sea behind it, and you've got hills and mountains, the Dinaric Alps on the landward side. Well, see, and... I'm American, so I don't care about what, like things in Europe. So where is this? I don't. I don't okay. know. It's in it's in Croatia. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. So opposite Italy, um, to the east of Italy, and um, yeah, it's it's a, a very ancient town city that sits sitting on a peninsula out into the. The, the Adriatic on the Mediterranean and yeah it's um, pretty much preserved as it was three or four hundred years ago and it's a great place to walk around and yeah it's a very very pretty place the trouble is there are far too many mutant, um, far too many tourists there. tourists you <laughs> said mutants I mean I know everybody's a mutant but yeah but these were a certain kind of mutants right? yeah they were, okay. they were just the normal everyday just... sort of mutants <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so question number two. How many cats w- will your wife let you own at one time? Two. Two. No more? Um, you don't think you could sneak a third I cat could, in there? Yeah, I could maybe sneak in some more. Um, it's more the cats decide that they don't want other cats. Ah, so. <laughs> so it wouldn't really be how many your wife would let you have, it's how it's many how your other cats would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, question number three. If there is a spider in your house, do you kill it or do you set it free? Uh, I let my wife take care of it. Ah, okay. She sets them free. She, she sets them spiders. free. Okay, question number four. When did you stop trying to clone a dinosaur? Oh, no, that must have been in about 2000. Yeah, let's say 2000. Okay, so that's when you stopped trying to clone dinosaurs. Okay. Personally. Question number five. Have you ever had a handlebar mustache? I have. You yes. have? Okay. This is well, what... it wasn't very good. I was trying for it, but it didn't work. Because <laughs> I saw this question, and, and I was like, Emma, surely like, you know, he would have tried this at some point, because he's got a great beard, but, uh, you know, but we didn't know. Yeah, that was on November I, I tried to do it. Okay, so... That, that month's growth was not the It wasn't. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, question number six. So, this is from your lab mates. Your lab mates want to know, why do you listen to cheesy music from the 80s? <laughs> because the 80s were... The best decade for music. Well, having said that, they were, they were good in the 90s too. And there was an awful lot of shit around in the 90s. There was. <laughs> yeah, it Although the UK music was better than the American music. Okay. What, what I, see, and you, I, I feel like I can actually accept this because when I live here, like I hear it, I'm like, that's all right. But I don't know if it's because I just didn't hear it as a kid and so I don't have these like weird associations with yeah. it. I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm willing to buy this. Okay. All right. Uh, and then final question. Would you rather come face to face with a miniature hippopotamus or a giant cockroach? Both of them are in a bad mood. <laughs> I have seen hip- pygmy hippopotami in oh. um, Edinburgh Zoo. They have got pygmy hippopotami. I forgot about that. I've seen these as well. Yeah, they were very, very cute. Yes. Yeah. I think actually so. I watched them um, get into the water together and then cuddle together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so well, I didn't I, even think about this. So yes. Yeah. I definitely want to see that other than like a giant cockroach. Yes, although the hippopotamuses, I know, are the most dangerous creature in animals. Right, and since the question is if they're both in a bad mood. Yeah. Ooh. I reckon I could 
have a better chance of outrunning and outclimbing a hippopotamus than a cockroach. Okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go for it. Oh. All right, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> And that ends the popcorn round. You done a pop pop. <laughs> Disgusting. You done a pop pop. And there you have it, another episode of the Reluctant Theologian Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes on divine love, ukuleles, and so much more. <laughs> <laughs>